me to John chapter 10, please. John chapter 10, verse 22. Warm, try and make yourself more comfortable. Maybe right where you are, but I am feeling the, war- the warmth this morning. Um, but if you're too warm, try and make yourself as comfortable as possible. John chapter 10 and verse 22. And it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, and it was winter, and Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Let's pray. Father, One line of your words enough for us. So much in it, Father, living, the living word. We thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for your son. Thank you, Lord, that we can remember him this morning and all that he's done. Pet our debt. Jesus, we worship you and we love you. There's none like you. Father, take your word and bless your people this morning and glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. May the spirit of the living God move upon each and every one of us. In his name we pray and ask it. Amen. The title of our message this morning is The Hanukkah dedication and our heavenly regeneration. The Hanukkah dedication and our heavenly dedication. If you notice here in verse 22, and it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, and it was winter. Many scholars say on it was winter means and the wind and the rain was blowing. And the wind and the rain was blowing. Here the feast of the dedication is the feast of Hanukkah. Now, Jesus would have went to these feasts and he always brought something out of them. For example, in John chapter 7, Feast of Tabernacles, the last day, the great day of the feast, when all of the, uh, there was a, a, a holy convocation got together Everything went quiet. They had been living in tabernacle booths, reminding Israel how Israel were in the wilderness. And now at the last day of the feast, Jesus comes and he stands and cries, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. As the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And this spake he of the Holy Spirit. And what happened was they came with these large urns filled with water, where the altar was, where the blood was shed, it was very quiet and they all stood and as they came along, they poured the water to wash at the final time the blood away from the altar. And there was a gully and it would have went down and the blood and the water flowed down the gully. Again, a type of Christ on the cross. When the Roman spear went into his side and there came forth blood and water. 
And when they done that, as soon as they poured the water out in John 7, the, the shofars would have blown. The people would have praised. There would have been ecstatic praise. And then after everything died down, they all went home. But what the Lord Jesus was doing is saying this, you're doing all of this and it's all a type. It's a shadow of me. And what he was saying is, you'll go home. You've, got a, uh, you've had a good, a good time here of, of praise, as it were, at the end. But you'll go home the same way you came. For as soon as you get home, you're on your own. Basically, you are on your own. That's what he's really saying. But if you come on to me and drink, he says, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Not needing to pour it over an altar, but the Holy Spirit will be in you and he'll go with you. So believer, the typology on that is that Jesus goes with you. Whenever you go, wherever you go, the doctors you go, the hospital you go to, the tests you go through, the exams you're in, young people, if Christ is in your heart, in your life, if you're walking with him, he goes with you. You're not on your own. You might feel on your own, but he goes with you. And so in John chapter 7, he's at the Feast of Tabernacles. And that's the last day of the feast. Speaking of the Holy Spirit that, he, that would come. And, and from that then, from, from John 7, right through 8, 9, right into John 10, we have actually jumped a period of time for the tabernacles would be around September, October. More than likely it is when Jesus' real birthday is. He was probably conceived in December, actually, and born September, October. And so here in September, October, is the tabernacles, the tabernacle of God, was with men. Christ was the God-man, son of God, the son of man. And here then by, by John 7, you get into John chapter 10, here's another feast. And that would be around December time, sometimes falling around near Christmas sort of time. And so this is the feast of dedication that the Lord Jesus was at in John chapter 10 and verse 22. It's known as Hanukkah. Hanukkah, I'm sure we've heard of it, haven't we? Uh, this uh, feast of dedication of Hanukkah was known as the Festival of Lights. The Festival of Lights. And it was celebrated for the cleansing and the rededication of the temple. Because what had happened was Antiochus Epiphanes, around 165 and then into about 164, had attacked Jerusalem. And he had, uh, he had taken over. He was the king of Syria at the time of the Seleucid Empire. I will not do this today. You write it down or jot it down somewhere, try and remember it. Go home and think about this. When we have taught you before on Daniel chapter 2, Daniel chapter 2, we have Nebuchadnezzar's dream, the man with the head of gold, remember? I've shown you it many times. Head of gold, breasts and arms of silver, and in the belly of, of brass, and the legs or the thighs of iron going down into the iron and clay toes. Well, the, the, the Seleucid Empire is the Grecian Empire. Let me stay with me now. It was Alexander the Great's empire. That's Daniel 2. When you go into Daniel 7, you go down through, it's not uh, metals, as gold, silver, uh, bronze or brass and iron, but rather it's a sort of animals that Daniel sees. God shows Daniel what man's kingdom is like in Daniel 7. Nebuchadnezzar, I have an echo coming somewhere, Denise. Nebuchadnezzar, uh, sees what he thinks his kingdom is like, gold, silver, bronze, and so on. So when you get into Daniel chapter 7, by the time you get, you know the one with the leopard with the four heads and the four wings of a fowl on their back? 
Well, the four heads was the Grecian Empire that would break up into four different kingdoms. And that's the four heads. They were uh, the Alexander the Great's um, four generals. And they were uh, Lysimachus, Cassander, Ptolemy, and Seleucus. The Seleucid Empire took over Germany. It was the biggest uh, in, in uh, area. It took over uh, took over um, around the Holy Land, right across toward India and that direction, Iran and so on. And the king of Syria was Antiochus Epiphanes IV. And he comes and he attacks Jerusalem. And here's what happened in it. He put laws in that uh, if a woman was to uh, circumcise their child, their boy, then the woman was to be uh, hung up on a tree, as an accursed, as they would call it, and she was to be murdered, hung up on a tree, and their baby hung from her neck. The child that was circumcised hung from their neck. They say in three years of his reign there, there was some 80,000 Jews killed in that time. And another 80,000 were injured or displaced. And so it gives you an idea of what had happened around this time of, of Hanukkah or before Hanukkah. The, 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 the man Antiochus Epiphanes, he raided the, 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 the temple he raided the gold and the silver and he took it all away. What would amount to millions in today's pounds. And we're told that he ruled with a, an iron fist there. And uh, the, the altar of burnt offerings, he, he went to it, that one where they poured out the water over the, the blood on the altar. He, went, they, he sent the soldiers to it and they sacrificed pigs on it. Of course, being an abomination, an abominable animal. And they sacrificed pigs on it. And so all of this abominable stuff was happening. For three solid years it happened. He took that altar and he turned it into a place of worship for Zeus. And so he was putting force worship on people. And of course you can imagine just what was happening in Jerusalem at that time. There was um, about 80,000 slaves Jewish slaves taken by him as well. Roughly about that, they, they would say. Now, the, the, uh, the rise of the Maccabees came, and that's what threw him off. This is important for where we're going. And if you want to know what the Maccabees are, the Maccabees was Judas Maccabus, uh, or Maccabus. Um, he, he, he rose up, and he started fighting against them. And, of course, that's what's disposed them from uh, Jerusalem. And the thing about this was, was uh, if you were to, so in this, our, our King James Bible, the 1611 version, 1611 version, there was in between the Old Testament and the New Testament, you had 14 books called the Apocrypha. And it was even in the King James 1611 version. And then it was removed later on. And in those 14 books, you'll read of Maccabees 1, 2, 3, and 4. You'll read of books like Jasher and Enoch. Um, Ezra's 1 and Ezra's 2 and, and, and uh, so on. There's different ones, books of wisdom and so on. Now, they were taken out later, and especially for the Maccabees, uh, some of the writings, the Roman Catholic Church use it uh, for praying to the dead. So they're not in our, our Bibles anymore. Now, notice this. 
this man, Judas Maccabeus, he, he, he uh, rose up and Antiochus Epiphanes was, was driven out. His armies were driven out from Jerusalem. Now, what happened was they had to cleanse the temple. They rededicated the temple. And what they realized was there was only one jar of oil that was left, which was still pure, untouched. That wasn't contaminated. And the reason they knew it was sealed and a high priest's seal was in the wax, still sealed. There was only one. They started using it and they realized we haven't got enough oil. And so the story goes that they kept using this oil and instead of having one of those jars lasted for one day, instead of lasting for one day, it lasts for eight days. So the oil just kept flowing for eight days. Hence, we have the Festival of Lights which is Hanukkah, or they have, I should say, the Festival of Lights, which is Hanukkah. Now, here's the thing. If you were to go into the temple, the Lord told Moses, if my memory serves me right, in Exodus 35, how to build the menorah, which is the seven-branch candlestick. Three branches here, three branches there, and there was one in the middle. Now, the idea of it, if you look at some of them, they should be slightly turned in. The real ones should be slightly turned in. gives the idea... Of, of mankind looking towards the light, looking for greater light. And hence that was in the dark place of the tabernacle and it was placed in there and then lit. And so that seven branch candlestick, that menorah, we see it reflected in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 2 and then Revelation chapter 3. The Lord Jesus is seen walking amongst the seven golden lampstands which were the seven churches of Asia Minor. And, you know, there were Israelites in those churches because they would have knew all this uh, 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 Pictionary stuff, all all of of this what the Lord has given in in type. Jesus is walking through the seven golden candlesticks and then he talks from the rest of Revelation 2 to Revelation 3 about the seven churches. It starts with the church of Ephesus. And then it goes right through the seven churches, which is seven church ages, right, up until the seventh church was the Laodicean church, which is the church before the coming of the Lord. And that's the church age we are living in today. Now, what has this festival got to do with it? Well, notice here in our reading, and it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, and it was winter. The Feast of the Dedication, or Hanukkah, the Festival of Lights, as they called it. Jesus went to the temple in John 7, and he says, it's not here. This temple won't do you no good. It's in me. Now he goes to the Feast of Hanukkah, and he says, the light isn't here. It's in me. That's what he's doing. Stay with me to assure you. So what we want to look at is the Hanukkah Dedication, And our heavenly regeneration. So whenever you and I, before you and I are saved, before we know the Lord Jesus as our own personal Lord and Savior, we're dead in trespasses and in our sins. It takes the Holy Spirit to regenerate us, to quicken us, to make us alive unto God. And so our regeneration, we want to look at it in this. We want to look at it. So the seven-branch golden candlestick would have been in the tabernacle or Uh, If you want to write it down, the Holy of Holies. This is important because uh, when we go a little further on, maybe not this morning, but we go a little further on, what you'll find is, is in that place, the lamp changes 
for this time. They use a nine-branch candlestick. Four and four for the eight days. Remember the eight days where the oil ran for eight days? For the eight days and the one in the middle. So the one in the middle, they used to have it lit and they lit that and they lit one at a time from the outside in. So they always come into the inner light. Seven branch to the inner light. Christ represents the man who look toward him, the light. So stay with me in this. And so whenever the Lord is here, he knows exactly what he's doing. He goes here and is at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, and it was winter. Dark outside, dark inside. It was spiritually dark. Spiritually dark. It had put the commandments or traditions of men before the law of God. And what they'd actually taken this from was from the Talmud. Now let me give you a word of warning. By the way, we do not hold that the Apocrypha is inspired, by the way, just in case anyone's wondering, we do not hold as inspired. I have one at home, and there's some good historical things in it, and there's some stuff you don't want to read either. But the Talmud is a devilish book. It's a wicked, devilish book. It has our Lord Jesus Christ boiling an excrement in hell. And that's only the tip of it. But this is all coming from there. It was, it was formed in Babylon. And the Jews stayed in Babylon. Then later came across and they came into Jerusalem. Now notice this. Notice. In John chapter 8 and verse 12. John chapter 8, please, verse 12. We're going to do this like a Bible study this morning. Jesus has went into the temple. Now he's come out to the Mount of Olives. And now he's speaking again. He has the woman who is caught um, in adultery. And he stoops down. He writes in the ground with his finger and so on. Let your eye run down to verse 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And that's true, isn't it? So you can see the representation when he goes into the Hanukkah feast, the dedication. He's saying, these lights are not the true lights. I am the light of the world. That's what he's doing. That's why he's at the feast. I am the light of the world. And so you'll see then, six is the number of man in Scripture. Three here, three here, one in the middle. Christ and the men are mankind. Christ and sinners looking to the light of the world. Everybody with me, okay? Okay, so he says, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And he's talking here about spiritually. That when you and I got saved, spiritually we come out of darkness. Spiritually our hearts were illuminated or enlightened, quickened, regenerated by the Holy Spirit. And now we follow, we head towards that light. That is, we follow the light of life who is Christ himself. John chapter 9, please. John chapter 9. Now try to run down to verse 
5. Now, Jesus is talking here. There was a man born blind. And he's healed him. Now we're, he's been asked questions about this man born blind. Man, darkness in his eyes. Born blind. Verse 5, Jesus says, As long as I am in the world. Notice, underline that. That's important. As long as I am in the world. I'm going to say it again. As long as I am in the world. I am the light of the world. Okay? Notice here, John chapter 12. John chapter 12 and verse 46. Let's go to verse 44 and we'll read a few verses here. Jesus cried and said, He that believeth in me, believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. And he that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. Now notice this. I am come a light into the world, that whosoever believeth in me should not abide in darkness. So notice here, who's the central figure? Who's the central figure in our reading? Who's the central figure in these verses? The Lord Jesus Christ, isn't he? And he says, it's me, me, not the temple, not Hanukkah, not the Feast of Tabernacles. It's in me. You want salvation? It's in me. It's all in me, he's saying. And notice here what he's saying. I am come a light into the world. Now, take note here. He's not saying he's come a light among many other lights. That's not what he's meaning here. That's not the way it reads. He's not saying, I am come a light and there's other lights too. He's not meaning that, nor is he saying that. He's saying, it's dark here. In other words, it's dark spiritually blinded, dead, and dark. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, Galilee. It's totally, completely, spiritually dark. I am come a light, the only light, it means. So he's saying, I'm come a light into the world that whosoever believeth in me should not abide in darkness. Now, in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14, listen to what the Lord Jesus said to his disciples. Remember, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. And notice what he says. Ye are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. He's, he's He's referencing to the temple in Jerusalem. A city set on a hill. He's, re- re- he's referencing to Jerusalem, the temple. And the temple actual walls used to be uh, really a, a white color. It used to be really nearly like a brilliant white. And the temple, the temple had a, a doors that were uh, large doors with, with, with gold on them. And when the sun came up in the east, it used to just hit the, the temple where it was. And the light could have been seen for miles. It just used to shine like a big light. And the Jews worship the temple. We'll look at it in a minute. They worship the temple, rather, the God who comes to the temple. Jesus says to his disciples, ye are the light of the world. But Lord, you're saying as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Absolutely, but this is what he's meaning. I'm going to die, go to the cross, rise from the dead and ascend to heaven. You're thy the light. Brothers and sisters, you are now the light. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8. Listen to what Paul says. 
For we were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So in Ephesians 5 and 8, notice this. Notice. For ye were sometimes darkness. It really hit me. I'd never seen this before. It really hit me when I was writing this. Paul doesn't say you were one time surrounded by darkness. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say that you were one time, you know, uh, walking in a dark place and you were some sort of goody, a good part of goodness or light. He doesn't say that. He says ye were darkness. You were. Ken, you were darkness. Every one of us, before we met the Lord, were darkness. That's what Paul's saying to us. It's not that you were, well, you know, you were such a good person, but surrounded by darkness. No, he says you were darkness. You were. Thank God for the past tense. For look what he says. Now are you light. Now are you light. Dark. Lost in our sin, dead to God. There's nothing in you, brother. There's nothing in you, sister. Not one solitary single thing. Not one. Not once could you have called on God out of your own heart. You were dead. You were darkness. But he came right in. He came in. And shone his light, and we drew to the light. The Spirit drew us, and drew us to Christ. Ye, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Notice again, the word darkness. It's not a part of darkness, but you were completely dark. Every man and woman outside of Christ, no matter how good they are, are dark. They're darkness. Every single one outside of Christ. Darkness. I have loved ones. I have nieces and nephews. I want to see saved. I have a brother, his wife and family, I want to see you return back to the Lord. Those outside of Christ are darkness. Hear the word here, ye were. Underline ye were. It's emphatic. The Greek text has it, 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 it's amplified. It's like you shouting through a loud healer. It's like you getting one of those big loud healers and shouting through it. Ye were. Ye were. That's the way it goes. It's emphatic in the original text. You were sometimes darkness. Ye were, past tense. You're now light. <laughs> You're now light, brother. You're now light, sister. Paul emphasizes it. Ye were. You're not now. You're light. 
So walk as the children of light. And notice here as well. Now are you light as the word false. Listen, it doesn't mean you're just a lamp. So people were asking me last week, or the week before, when, what I got Alison for her birthday. And I said, I'll let her pick it herself. She could have got a diamond ring. She did. <laughs> She's got a duvet cover and a pair of curtains. And a cart and a co- uh, pillow covers, but she had something else in mind because she got me to paint this week, and I can't paint like. But she bought a new lamp for my side and one for hers. Just be lamps, that's right. Now one of those ones you touch it and it just glows. You touch it again a bit brighter. Touch it the third time and it shines out. Paul writing this. Paul saying this, now ye are light. Force gives the idea, it's not just you're the lamp. Light's up the corner, are you? Nice soft lighting. It means you're not only a lamp, but you're one. When you hit it the three times, it shines right across. You're like the torch, it shines out. It's the idea of this word. You're now like the torch, the shine, the light. In Expositors, uh, great, com- great commentary on this, it says, listen to this. So possessed and penetrated were they by the truth that they could be described not simply as enlightened, but as themselves now light. There's a big difference, brother. There's a big difference, sister, of, of someone being enlightened by God, enlightened by the Word, being a lamp that glows in the corner is not much use. They were filled that much with the Word and the Spirit. It meant they shone it forth. They shone it forth. In First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 5, Paul writes, ye are the children of light and the children of day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. You see, in the Semitic languages, in the Semitic languages, to be a son of something or of someone. I want you to get this. In the Semitic languages, to be a son of something or someone where it's written here. And the, the way it's written in this. It meant to be characterized by the one whom you're the son of. To be characterized. So if Christ is the light, and now we are the light, we should be characterized, showing his character. The characterized of the shining light in Christ. Sons and daughters of the living God, we are off the day and not off the night. Children of light not of darkness. It's time to characterize our Father. Jesus said, and we had read it, He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. 
In John chapter 10, again at verse 22, our, our verse, and it was at Jerusalem the feast of the dedication, and it was winter, or the festival of lights, as I've said, Hanukkah he came to, the temple of the light. I'm going to start off for the next just five or ten minutes, and I'll wrap this up, and uh, I'll maybe do a recap and bring you further into it next week. I think it's important that we don't leave you there at this moment, but leave you something else so we can just hook our, our next study onto. In Matthew chapter 4 and verse 5, notice he was at the temple. Now look at Matthew chapter 4 and verse 5. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him, setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple. Now, for where we're going to go, especially into next week, because we're going to look at the regeneration of the Spirit. We're going to look where the oil flows. That oil that lasted, the type of the oil in, uh, of the Spirit in, in John 7, now here at Hanukkah where they said there was a miracle, the oil kept flowing. Well, there's Holy Ghost anointing oil. We're going to look at it being lit. How it lights. Next week. Notice here. The devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple. Now if you're writing down for temple, you write Heron. If you want to get an anglicized spelling, H-E hyphen E hyphen R-O-N. Heron. And it means the entire precinct of the temple. The entire precinct. It means the, the stones. It means the, the, the wood. It means the whole structure like this building. It's the Heron. The Heron. And so it's the devil takes him up into the pinnacle of the Heron. And he's overlooking the whole temple in Jerusalem. That's the idea of this. And in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 6, the Lord says, But I say unto you, that in this place, he's at the temple again, in this place is one greater than the temple. There's one greater than the temple. The word temple again is here on the whole entire precinct of the temple in Jerusalem. And then in John chapter 10 and verse 23, our second verse of our reading, it says, And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. He walked in the Heron, the precincts of the temple. Jesus never went into the Holy of Holies. Never went in. Now, turn to Matthew 23. So there's a... When the Lord Jesus is arrested, we see when he's arrested that there's a charge put against him that he said he's going to tear down the temple. Isn't that right? Let's read Matthew 23, verse 16. Listen to what the Lord says. Woe unto you, blind guides, which say, Whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing. 
But whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor. Ye fools and blind, for whether is greater the gold or the temple that sanctifieth the gold. Verse 21. And whoso shall swear by the temple, sweareth by it, and by him that dwelleth therein. And by him that dwelleth therein. Now take note, the word temple is used in verse 16, swear by the temple. It is used twice, pardon me, in verse 16, once in verse 17, and then is used again in verse 21. In every account of those verses, for the word temple, the word changes here. It's not Heron. It's Naos. If you want an anglicized spelling, it's simply N-A-O-S, Naos. And it gives the idea of the place where God's presence would dwell, i.e., the holy place in the temple, the holy of holies as it's known, or the most holy, where God came, where that menorah would have been, where at Hanukkah they changed it for the nine branch, where they lit, looking towards the light, to light up that room. So here we are finding here, Jesus is saying, well, I'm greater than the temple. And now here he's saying, you're swearing by the temple. And of course, the charge is that Jesus said he would tear down the temple. But if you look at the words of this, it's the word naos. And it says that this spake he, not of the temple in Jerusalem, but his body, tear this temple down, and in three days I will raise it up again. Isn't that right? So what? Well, he didn't say, here on the bricks and mortar of the temple, I tear this temple down, because they said, 46 years is building in this temple. This is took 46, 46 years, and you're telling us you're going to tear this down. Did you know? that when a, a priest went into a place to, that had disease, if it went in, he came back a second time, and if it had disease, they tore the house down brick by brick. And he had come in, and he came back again, and he says, your house will be torn down brick by brick. Isn't that what happened in the temple? That's why he said it. He's not saying it just because he wants to destroy it. He says, I've come back and you're still diseased. Pastor was wondering about the diseased People in the nation, come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. And so it was diseased with sin, diseased with corruption. And so here, every time Jesus used it in our last reading there, the temple, you're swearing by the temple, it's not the precinct, but the Holy of Holies. And the one who dwells in the holy place, or the most holy, the Holy of Holies, he's saying, you're swearing by the temple, and that's the place where God's presence is to come. The naos. Then they also, stay with me and I'm going to wrap this up and we'll do more next week. Look, see the word here in verse 21 of Matthew 23. And whoso shall swear by the temple, the naos, sweareth by it, not the hero, not the whole precinct, the naos where God's presence would be. You swear by that place where God should be. And by him that dwelleth therein, by God. And when Jesus says, I'll take this temp- destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it again, you know what he uses? The word naos. So they're thinking, and they were right in a sense, this man said he'll destroy our temple. They're thinking naos, 
the Holy of Holies that's in the temple. But this spake he of his body. Why? Because the holy place had moved. God had came and walked among them. The holy place was in a man. God was in a person. God came in a son. And so he's saying, tear this temple down. But they're thinking the means of one there where the holy place is. Tear this down and in three days I will raise it up again. So Jesus is saying, do you know what he's saying here? People say Jesus never said that he was God. That's what he's saying here. That's what he's saying. Place where God comes down, that naos. In the inner place, that inner sanctuary. He says, here it is now. Not the dead, they nailed him to the tree. Away with him. You see why they're, they're so agitated about this? They weren't here by him that dwelleth therein. The spirit of Yahweh was in the tabernacle, then the temple, but he had well left by this. The Lord's saying, you're swearing by this temple, and this is going to be torn down in three days. This temple, not this one. But this temple will be taken down brick by brick because of the sin, because of the corruption that's in it. The word dwelleth here, and we'll finish with this point. The word dwelleth is the word katoi keo. Katoi keo. The word kata, I've told you this before, in the Greek means, here's the idea of dominance, depressed down. Depressed down. You know, it's we're saved according to the will, goodwill of his pleasure. It means the dominance of his goodwill. And the word here, kata o keo, the second word means to reside, to inhabit, gives the idea to occupy a house or a home. So him that comes and dominates and occupies. Now he's saying he's not in the temple. He's not hearing this. It's not the lights of Hanukkah. I am the light of the world. He's saying the spirit of Yahweh is in me. I am the son of God. This is the temple. Now he says, ye are the light of the world whenever he dies. Before he dies, and then he dies, uh, rises from the dead, and he sends to heaven. And he says, you're the light of the world when I'm away. How's that? The Holy Ghost comes, and he's in you. What? The anointing oil. We're going to look at it next week in the Lord's will. The anointing oil. You're the light of the world. Do you know what he calls you and I? All us believers do what we're called. The temple of the Holy Ghost. Can you see it now? That's why we're the temple of the Holy Ghost. And who lives in us? God, the Holy Ghost. <laughs> he resides in us. Not in Jerusalem. Certainly not in Rome. And he doesn't even abide in this building when we leave. He dwells in a living temple. He dwells in a living temple, you and I. So here... It means he dwells with dominance. He resides. He inhabits you and I like it's his home. I ask you something, brother and sister. Does God feel at home in you? One old preacher says one time that God pays to live in poor houses, poor lodgings. 
Colossians 1 and 19. We'll start here next week in God's will. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Can you see him? Note it on. Here he is. The light of the world. Here he is. The one with the spirit without measure. The son of God and the son of man. Here he is. Standing there. Yahweh clothed, veiled in flesh. And here he is standing before them. This is no longer. This temple will be no longer. He says, I'm God. And they took him and nailed him to the tree. And they shed his blood. See, if he's not God, we're not saved. If he's not God's son, we're lost and still in our sin. But he is. And we give him glory in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless us all this morning.